Hey, and welcome to The Living Stone, a digital ministry from Greystone Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Here's this week's scripture reading and sermon. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 15 through 24. One of the dinner guests, on hearing this, said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land, and I must go out and see it. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Another said, I have just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported this to the master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to the slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, go out into the roads and the lanes and compel people to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For the last three weeks, we have been exploring this theme of a place at the table, uh, which is the theme for the offering for global missions. Uh, You may not remember the sermon from two weeks ago, uh, but we were studying the same uh, piece of scripture, the same chapter in Luke's gospel. Um, It was the the story of the dinner that was interrupted by the person with dropsy. And remember, we talked about um, humility and how God calls us to be humble. And so today, uh, we picked back up in the next scene of the same chapter. And I would argue there is a lesson in humility, even in this text uh, from today. Because some of these themes are so familiar to us, um, and maybe because we just spent a week um, on a similar text uh, just two weeks ago, I want to offer you kind of a more modern parable uh, that gets at the same thing. One day a man said to God, God, I would like to know what heaven and hell are like. So God showed the man two doors, and inside the first one, in the middle of the room, was a large round table with a pot of vegetable stew. It smelled delicious, and it made the man's mouth water. But the people sitting around that table were thin and sickly. They appeared to be famished, in fact. 
They were holding these spoons with very long handles, and each found it possible to dip the spoon into the pot of stew and to take a spoonful, but because the handles were so long, longer than their arms even, they could not then get the spoon back so that they could feed themselves the stew. The man shuddered at the sight of it, at the sight of their misery and their suffering and the idea of the soup being right there in front of them. And God looked at the man and said, you have seen hell. Behind the second door, the room appeared to be exactly the same as the first one. There was the large round table and the large pot of wonderful vegetable stew that made the man's mouth water. And the people gathered around that table. They had those same long spoons with, with uh, handles longer than their arms. But these people, they, they seemed like they were well-nourished, those sitting around the table in this second room. They looked almost plump, and they were laughing and talking to one another. So the man looked at God and said, I don't get it. I don't understand. And God smiled and said, it's really quite simple. Love only requires one skill. These people in heaven learned early on to share and to feed one another with the large spoons, while these others in the first room thought only of themselves. Now, I can't say for sure if this is a literal description of heaven and hell, or if it's something more like one of the parables that we find in our scripture. A parable, of course, is a story that points toward or kind of gets at what we find or what we will find at our eternal destination. But what I can say about this modern parable and the ancient parables alike is that in them we find something unmistakably spiritual about the tables we gather around. Miguel, from the video we watched just a moment ago, he seems to know this spiritual truth as well. Did you catch what he said as he was being interviewed? I want to repeat some of his amazing quotes. If you really want to learn about other people and other cultures, Miguel says, then sit down and share a meal with them. Because when people are eating, they are opening their hearts. When you feed the culturally appropriate food, he says, you are feeding not just stomachs, but hearts and souls too. And then the best line of all, the more you open the space at the table, the more the blessing is. Today's reading from Luke's gospel, the parable of the great banquet seems to be pointing us in the same direction. There's just something spiritual about the table. There's a robust conversation among scholars and interpreters of the Bible about whether the parable, the one we read in Luke's gospel today, uh, there's a robust conversation about whether that specific parable is talking about a heavenly banquet. Is it an image of God's eternal table, or is it 
more practical instructions. Is Jesus giving instructions for the common tables, the everyday tables that we convene in our lives? Scholars are really mixed on this. And after spending some time in their research this week, I am increasingly convinced that it's both with maybe a slight uh, greater emphasis on the latter, that Jesus is giving us instructions for how to convene our everyday tables. You see, the parable begins, as parables in the Bible often do, with a statement from somebody who just happens to be standing near Jesus. Remember, Jesus is at a dinner party on the Sabbath with a group of Pharisees who seem to be his friends. And at that dinner party, somebody standing close to Jesus says, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. A beatitude right in the middle of Luke's gospel. Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now the rest of the group is quiet, but Jesus responds with the parable. Someone gave a great dinner and invited many, Jesus says. But all the guests who had first RSVP'd yes suddenly had things come up that kept them away. You know, one said he just purchased some land and he needed to go inspect it. Which makes the reader or the hearer say, well, shouldn't he have looked at that land before he purchased it? And then another just bought some oxen and he needed to go and try them out. And again, Somebody needs to ask why he didn't try out the oxen before that deal was done. And then the kicker. The third replied and said, well, I just got married, so I can't attend. Do married people not go to dinner parties? The questions just keep coming. But in any case, the host is humiliated, or rather humbled. The difference between those two things is ever so slight. So the host is humbled or humiliated, one, when all of his preparations seem to be for naught. And so he sends out his slave with a little bit wider invitation than the one that he may have issued before. Instead of the A list of friends, now he goes after the B listers. And once they have taken their seats, the host discovers that some seats remain open. There's still more room. And so he sends out his servant again with an even wider invitation, this time moving from bringing in the neighbors. Now he is compelling the neighbors to come in. You can feel his desperation rising as the host will really do anything to fill the seats, ensuring that his efforts have not been in vain. And as the host doubles down on his commitment to fill his banquet table, we can certainly begin to see the parallels with the extravagant measures that God is willing to go to in order to fill God's table, so to speak. The actions of the host begin to remind us of the incarnate God, the one described in Philippians 2, who has no regard at all for status or propriety, a God whose self-emptying nature takes Jesus all the way to the cross in order that every last part of creation might be loved, 
might be saved, might find itself at God's table. The host in the parable doesn't seem concerned with appearances as he fills the table with B-listers and C-listers. He doesn't really dwell on the fact that the A-team couldn't make it. I mean, he got angry, the text says, but he moved along pretty quickly and never mentions them again until the very end. Did you catch the last line when he says, they're going to miss out on the feast? Sometimes, and especially in our evangelical tradition, our focus can be overly pinned in on God's invitation and our response. In this way, we might read this parable as a metaphor for our own salvation, appropriating the kingdom table with heaven, the host as God, and we, the invited guests, whether we find ourselves in groups A, B, or C. Our primary concern when we read the text in that way is our acceptance or rejection of God's invitation. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Listen in. There is a place for that. That is important. It is in the Bible, but it's not the only thing that's happening in the parable. You see, parables like the one in Luke's gospel have so many layers, layers of interpretation and meaning and application. That is what makes them so interesting and so powerful for spiritual growth and for transformation. So what if we look at it a different way? What if, like so many other gifts that come from God, the table is a gift not just for us to receive, but for us also to steward? What if the table is a gift not just for us to receive and to benefit from, but to share widely with all of creation? What if God invites us to the table which really could describe any table where God's presence, God's mystery, God's grace, and most of all, God's love is experienced. Maybe it's this communion table that we gather around at least once a month. Maybe it is a table or a space in a friend's home that is just particularly welcoming and loving. Maybe it is something else altogether. But what if God invites us to the tables of our lives to give us just a little glimpse of God's own expansive table. And what if from that moment on, when we first receive God's mystery and God's grace and God's love at that table, what if from that moment on, our calling is not simply to continue receiving, but to be good stewards of that gift back out into the world. You know, as followers of Jesus, we are called not just to receive the gospel, the good news, God's love, but to share it widely. As followers of Jesus, we are called to become imitators of Christ. That's Paul's language in his letter to the Ephesians to walk in love, to share it widely in the same way that it has been shared with us. So when we read the parable that way, shouldn't we also 
see ourselves not only in the invited guests, but also in the role of the host, setting the banquet table, inviting the world to come and to taste the bread of heaven that God has so generously and graciously and abundantly shared with us. Maybe this is where the parable is not so theoretical. You know, it's not just about heaven, our eternal place of dwelling with God. But maybe, just maybe, this is where the parable is oh so practical. When we throw a dinner party, when we prepare our own tables in our own homes, and especially in our own church, maybe we are to issue the invitation widely. And then look around and see, are there any seats that remain unfilled? Look around. Well, if the seats remain unfilled, maybe we need to expand the invitation just a little. Go back out and see if there's anyone else who needs to come, who is willing to come, who is able to come and to find God's grace here. Because that is our gift to steward. And if any seats remain unfilled after that, maybe we need to examine our guests list. A, B, C, D, keep going through the alphabet to see if we've left anyone out. Either because of our own prejudice, maybe because of our own ignorance or our own bias, or maybe just by pure accident. But as long as there is room in this room around this table, we should be inviting all people, no matter who they are, to come and enjoy the food that God has given us and entrusted to our care. And friends, here is the best news of all. There is always room for another seat. There's always room for more at God's table and at our tables. All are welcome, for God's love does not discriminate. All are invited. There's plenty to eat. Maybe we just need to learn the lesson that Miguel said so simply, so plainly, so naturally, and so wisely, that when people are eating, they're literally opening their hearts. And the more open the space at the table, the more the blessing is. So maybe it's both. Maybe all the scholars had it right. Maybe the tables we set and steward in this world reflect our vision and our experience of God's eternal table in heaven. And maybe if we don't continue to widen our invitation, we'll end up like the guests that were first invited who later found excuses and decided not to come, ultimately missing out on the joy and abundance and the wideness of God's grace that meets us here. Or maybe, just maybe, we could work on ourselves. We could work to become more like that host, recognizing that we have already received so many good gifts from God, so many that now our task is not to receive, but to give them out, to share them widely, to issue an ever-widening invitation to all the many tables we set in our lives, not just the one here. Not because we've got it all figured out, either but because God has invited us all. God has invited us all 
to come and receive together, to come and see together, to come and be made new together, to come and eat together, to come and to share in the feast together, here and thereafter, now and forevermore. Amen.